Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. It's talking about being anti-fragile and taking a different approach to financial advising. And so with that, I have cash flow expert Chris Miles. He actually goes by this mantra of anti-financial advisor, which is going to be a really interesting concept. And um, I'm really looking forward. I had him in the past and um, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. So Chris, welcome. Hey, it's good to be back, Christopher. Yeah, I know. It's great, too. I love reconnecting with guests and going on different platforms, creating. So um, kind of tell new audience who you are, what you're about, your story, and we'll get right into it. Yeah, like you mentioned, I'm an anti-financial advisor, right? Because (laughs) I think financial advisors are kind of full of crap. Um, Not that they're not good people, (laughs) not that they don't want to help people. Uh, but they're definitely not designed with the tools to be financial experts and to actually help you get results. Um, and I learned that firsthand because I used to be one, right? I mean, I was raised you know, by parents that were loving. They taught me good values that you work hard, your word is your bond, you follow your dreams. Yet, they never really taught me about money. And so when I decided that I want to become an entrepreneur, have control of my time and freedom, uh, becoming a financial advisor was on the table. And I thought, That'd be good because not only can I be an entrepreneur, but I can even learn about money and maybe I'll be financially free someday. Well, several years in, I sat down with my dad and looked over his finances and he was like the Dave Ramsey poster child. You know, he saved his money religiously into his 401k, very diligently. He paid off all of his debt early. He paid off his house in 18 years. It was totally debt free. And then he says, Chris, I'm 61. I want to retire. What do I need to do? And I said, I don't know. You did everything right. In fact, if you were to try to retire today, you're going to die. You better hope you die in five years because that's how long it's going to be before you run out of money. And he did everything right according to the standards. Now, somewhat, some financial advisor or somebody would say, oh, he just didn't save enough. That's bull because you got guys like, like Dave Ramsey saying you save 100 bucks a month for 40 years, you have a million dollars. That's just not the reality. The return, mm-hmm. the stock market doesn't return 12%. It returns 7.73 for the last 30 years as of last week, you know, and you know, we've got all these false beliefs about what the stock market actually does. And, and that's when it became apparent for me when I, I met with, you know, obviously after I talked with my dad, a few weeks later, I'm talking with a friend who was in real estate investing. And he says, Chris, how many of your clients are financially free? None. They all worry about money. <laughs> if they're retired, they're broke. That's good. How about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free? Not of the commissions you're earning, but actually doing these investments. And when I realized there was guys working there since the late 1970s and still couldn't retire, I knew there was a problem. 
And so that's why I left being a financial advisor. I went down a different path of alternative investments. Like what I know you talk about a lot, you know, doing things with passive income. And instead of hoping and praying I might retire in my 60s, I was able to be retired when I was 28 years old uh, with, you know, with not a whole ton of money, but just really get my money working harder for me. And that was a big epiphany I had. That's what eventually got me, you know, people kept asking me how I did it. So eventually I came out of, the, of retirement, quote unquote, to teach people how to do what I did, which is just that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so kind of uh, what's really interesting is I think uh, I've been studying this for a while and talking to smart guys like you. And then one thing is kind of like this, it's kind of, a, I think it's propaganda, but it's like the media is kind of touting like, oh, this, this amount net worth and um, buy this stock and that stock and, you know, this and that. And, and then go with this financial advisory chart. And then, and then you actually read like books like the millionaire next door and they're actually not doing any of that. They're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're they, they understand money. So kind of what, what's going on in the financial advice industry is kind of just, you know, got so much conflict of interest. So what is this? Is it just propaganda and just people just misinformed or what is it? Well, you hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> it is, is conflict of interest, right? Because, when you think about it, all of our financial education typically comes from financial advisors or financial experts. Well, who do they get trained by? And I know because I was one, you get trained by the financial institutions. They're trying to sell you mutual funds. And the truth is, even if you have a series six and 63, like I had, where you're not licensed to be an expert, you're licensed to sell. You're licensed to sell people mutual funds. And if you have an insurance license, insurance as well, or both at the same time, you know, you'd have a Variable universal life you can sell and you have insurance and securities all working at once or variable annuities and things like that, right? And so it's really just a sales game. And it's, it's really like the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I, I know that's a you know, yeah. taboo subject to hit sometimes, <laughs> but when you got all these pharmaceutical reps like really just pitching and, and pimping themselves out. You start to wonder, is that really the magic thing for me? Or do I just need to drink more water and actually eat healthier for once, you know, and instead of hoping drugs will save my butt? You know, that's, that's kind of what's happening in the financial game. And so- the, the problem is, is that when you look at evidence, it doesn't support it because uh, Fidelity, I looked up these numbers recently, Fidelity just announced that of their 45 million clients, 45 million, that's a large portion of the United States. That's about 15% of the United States right there, just in Fidelity 401k, right? Of that 45 million sample, only 750,000 or one and a half percent of those people have a million dollars or more. And there was another study by Transamerica that came out saying of that 45, uh, of that, that one and a half percent, right? The people have a million dollars plus 35% of them. So this means that of the one and a half percent, that if you're the top one and a half percent, you have a million dollars or more, congratulations. But even a third of those people, 35% of those people said, quote, it will take a miracle to be able to retire. And the reason that is, is because it's the same reason with one of my clients, Dan found out. He retired and actually had a million dollars in his re retirement account. And then his financial advisor says, great, now you can live on 3% or $30,000 a year. Dan's in California. He says, homeless people live on 30,000 a year, <laughs> you know, especially in California. <laughs> He's like, that's not going to work. And so when he started talking to us about doing alternative investments, you know, we got a few duplexes that somebody else manages the property. It's a turnkey property. He got some ownership interest in apartment buildings. He got ownership in like oil and gas type stuff. At the end of the day, what ended up happening is he had about 130,000 of income coming in doing that versus 30,000 doing what his financial advisor says, right? That's yeah. the big key difference. And you're right. I mean, it's there's just so much conflict of interest and you get like millionaire next door. And, and again, 
Here's the thing that I think most of these, these companies miss and people miss when they study. Because I heard a guy tell me, and he was a guy in the real estate space. He was coaching real estate investors. And he said, oh, all wealthy millionaires have stocks and, and bonds. They all have, <laughs> they all have uh, stock investments. I said, really? And I knew this guy wasn't an expert in my field because I'm like, um, I, even when I was a financial advisor, I knew that was crap. <laughs> I wanted to believe it was true, but I knew it was. He's like, oh, yeah, all of them. And then, and then I, I, I realized, I said, let me ask this. Did they make their money in stocks? Or after they made all their money, they had advisors that told them to go into stocks. Which one? Is it cause or effect? It's never the cause. Uh, I'll tell you that people that try to save their way in the stock market will not make enough, especially, like I said, 7.73% is what the S&P has done. And just so you know, those Fidelity investments, the reason why so few people have a million dollars plus in their 401ks is because I looked at their, their target date retirement funds. I looked at their performance. They underperformed the S&P by 2%, 2%, really 2.1 to be exact. They also have a points fee on top of that. So that means you're losing almost 3%. You're doing almost 3% worse in the stock market. So if it is 7.73%, you're lucky to make 5% in those target date funds. Based on who you're asking, that doesn't keep up with inflation. Like you're losing. So that's why even with a match with 401ks, people just can't make it. And so I'm, I'm kind of going on and on, but I, I do this because I look for evidence to see what's reality. Can people actually do it? And the truth is there's a very, very small percentage of people that can save enough and then live cheap enough to really solely rely on these kind of retirement accounts where mm -hmm. we've had tens of millions of us, just like you and I, we've invested in real estate. We've done alternative investments. We've made money and create a lot more freedom than any of these people have stuffing their money in 401k. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because, um, you know, with, um, so, you know, given your, you know, the rate of return from the S and P and with inflation and with all the fees, you're, you're safer just putting cash into a money market and making four or 5% and, you know, <laughs> risk-free and you're not taking any of that, you know, volatility risk. And then the other thing is quite interesting is because is like, I've always been fascinated with education and it's almost like, it's like, the banking system, education, and all these industries kind of like they steer every kind of like steer every, the herd to kind of just kind of, you know, the masses and they don't teach financial education. They say just, you know, you know, get a job and work for a company, you know, you know, for 60 years and all this. So, you know, what is what is what is going on? I've read Robert Kiyosaki. He's like he's like he's a conspiracy. Uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I probably would never put myself as extreme of a box as Kiyosaki, you know, um, <laughs> but he's got some good points, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's as big of a conspiracy as people think. I think you just follow the money, right? I mean, you follow the money. Yeah. Institutions like your Goldman Sachs, your Merrill Lynch's and everything, they're going to train you. They're going to train you the way that they think is in their best interest. Are they providing a service? Yes. I mean, to tell you that, hey, put your money with us. We basically, you know, have our money managers hopefully make you money, you know, Although it is kind of a broken system in the sense that they get paid whether you make money or not. That's my opinion, yeah. right? Well, hey, I only lost you know 1% worse in the stock market. You should be happy. Pay me my another 1%. I mean, that kind of stuff, like I think is kind of, you know, I wouldn't call it a Ponzi scheme, but it's kind of, it's a broken system in my opinion when it comes to the world of business. Yeah. But again, they have a, a little bit of monopoly on it because they do monopolize the education. Um, I, being a financial advisor, I remember being in a training before 
And I remember the guy got up and this is, and this was, I believe it was 2005 actually. So I've been a financial advisor for a few years already at this point. And so he did a training. He said, everybody, you have hundred thousand dollars in the account. Say this next year, you lose 50%. This is right after Y2K. So we're all like, that's possible. <laughs> so he's like, say you lose 50%. Yeah. What do you have? And the math genius is that we always said $50,000 says, okay, but Chris or not Chris, he's like talking about 50 of us. Um, I, I thought he was talking to me, but no, I wasn't that cool. Uh, anyways, but he said, okay, now $50,000, what rate of return do you need to get back to a hundred thousand? And again, being math geniuses, we all said 50%. He said, no, because what's 50% of 50,000, 25,000. You only got back up to 75. You're not up to hundred yet where you started. He says, guys, if you're at 50,000 to get to 100,000, you got to get a 100% return. And, uh, and so we learned that whole average versus actual. So when I'm quoting like the S&P at 7.73%, that's the actual, not the average. Because when he said, he's like, look at the average here, minus 50 plus 100 is 50, divided by two years, gives you an average of 25% a year, but you only got back to zero. And, is it, and, he, and he didn't even mention the fees, of course, because obviously if you had fees come out, you might be lucky to have $97,000 at that point, you know, maybe 98. Yeah. And, uh, and so I remember just thinking, holy cow, this is crazy. And we actually ran numbers. We found out from 1995 to 2005, despite the roaring nineties, we would have all had more money had we not gone down with the stock market in Y2K. If we had just gotten basic returns, even if we had a cap on the amount of money that we could earn, we would still have more money by not losing money. And I approached the guy in the parking lot. I said, Hey, listen, you know, doing the math here, why doesn't everybody not be in the stock market? Because that average versus actual, that's a big deal. And we, we would all have more money not be in the stock market the last 10 years. His answer was this. He says, listen, you're young, because I was in my late 20s. He's like, you're young. You can afford to take the risk. The only reason we're even talking about this and offering this is because there are people too scared to be in the stock market. We want to make sure we have something to sell them. Yeah. That's when I realized I was a salesman in a suit because they're really, when they do all this education, it's not necessarily, I mean, sure, the rule 72 sounds awesome, but in the end, application wise, it's kind of not really very applicable. It's just something to give you some extra, you know, hopes and dreams, right? It's, it's, I call it living on hopium. You know, you're smoking hopium here because it's just giving you that hope of, hey, if I get this better return, the rule 72 means I can double and, you know, the whole set it and forget it. I mean, I, I, there's no accident that, Financial advisors and companies are telling you, set your money and just forget it. Don't watch it. Don't worry about the waves. Over time, it goes up. You know, you always make money over time, which is technically true, but yeah. that doesn't solve your problem if you're nearing retirement like my dad did and all of a sudden had to postpone really until his 70s to retire because he was forced out by medical reasons. And even then, still to this day, he's trying to make ends meet, right? He's trying to like stretch out his money as long as he can because he's living longer thanks to modern medicine. Uh, it's kind of like thanks, no thanks, because he's like, I thought I'd be gone by now, and now I'm still alive. I got to make my money last as long as possible. That's yeah. not a way to live life. It's kind of interesting because uh, my grandparents' generation, they were always, oh, the government's going to take care of you, Social Security, Social Security. And then my parents' generation was like, oh, get a get a job, get a stable job, become a professional, you know, get a high paying job. Mm -hmm. And then now, like you know, millennials, you know, Gen Z, my nephew, nieces you know everybody's thinking oh um entrepreneur investments you know how can i diversify you know you know a job is great yeah. but what happens when it runs out and you know when what happens when the government's broken 
uh, in all these things, which is, um, which is how can people get financially free? I mean, what, where do they start? I mean, there's just so many, you, you talk to one person stocks, you talk to another person in real estate, you talk to another person, like hedge funds, you know, <laughs> it's like, how do you, how do you get your head around all this? Yeah, it's a lot, but I think that the reason it's confusing, uh, here's another thing I was trained as, as a financial advisor is that, um, I mean, they, they always tell you that a confused mind never buys in the sales place. And, and this is probably true for physicians too, right? When you're trying to, yeah. you're trying to, to talk over somebody's head to the point they're saying, can you speak English, doc? Come on, you know? But it's true. Like even, even then, I remember there was a guy training and saying, listen, your whole goal is just to get them to trust you. You know, you know you, you, yes, yeah, so you try to talk to their level, but just really just tell them the three T's. They lack the time, the training, and the temperament to be able to do this right. So trust the professional, the sales professional that is, right? That's, it, it, but in truth, I wasn't doing squat. You know, even if I try to get the license where I can manage somebody's money and buy my own stocks or whatever and manage it that way, the truth is we're just guessing. We are like Blinken, the character from Robin Hood Men in Tights, you know, the blind guy. When he's standing up on the watchtower, he's like, I'm guessing, I'm guessing nobody's coming. You know, obviously yeah. you're watching this blind guy. That's, that's what financial advisors are. That almost any money manager for the most part are blind, just guessing. And even when I was a stock trader and I traded, I, I taught people, 200 people had to trade stocks and options individually. Right. Yeah. And the one thing I would always tell them first lesson was no matter how good of a trader you are, you will always be wrong. You will always <laughs> get it wrong. At least some of the time. So the whole goal was to teach them how to lose money as little as they can and then let their profits run. Right. It's like cut their losses short, let the profits run. And even if you're 30% correct, you might still make money. Think about that. We're, we're gambling on that when we could literally, we don't have to gamble on our profession as much like our profession. That that's our economic engine. That's the place where you make money. I guarantee any doc here, you look at any docs that are quote unquote retired. They didn't make money in the stock market. They made money in their profession. They did a great yeah. job being wise stewards of their money. They saved it. They made sure they put it away. They didn't gamble it too much in the markets. Hopefully. Um, yeah. They didn't go and blow too much in lifestyle. And then eventually at some point they said, great, now we've got all this cash. And then their financial advisor says, you can live on 3%. You're saying, well, great, thanks. <laughs> awesome. Um, but the ones that have done it well are the ones that usually kind of question the status quo. They question saying, listen, I know this is what everybody's telling me, the authorities, right? But what's the yeah. truth? What's really works? And you know that, that's why I, I mentioned, you know, like I had another doc in California where, I mean, he, he was so hyper-focused on paying off his debt because that's what he was taught to do. Yeah. And so he, his goal was pay off his house, pay off his rental property, and then he'll be mostly free, especially if he keeps saving his mutual funds, right? Yeah. Well, he wanted to be debt-free in six years. And, that, and I said, well, what would that do for you? In total, his cash flow would improve by $4,200 a month. I said, hey, listen. And eventually, he didn't take my advice on doing anything with the equity of his home. But he did have 700,000 equity sitting in a property. And he said, well, if I, I'm only making 200 bucks a month now, but when I pay off my mortgage, it'll be about 2,400 a month. I said, you realize we can take that 70, 700,000, even if we only earn 10% on that money, that's 70,000 a year. Not, that's almost 6,000 a month versus 2,000 a month. And we could do that this year versus waiting six years for your 2,000 a month. So if we do it now and we keep reinvesting that money after six years, you'll have over a hundred thousand a year coming in from that. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, but it's our first property. We love it. You know, and we really just want to pay it off. 
It took him yeah. two years to convince him. And it, it doesn't help. I mean, he had, um, you know, very much a saver background. You know, his parents were immigrants from China and things like that. So he was very much like ingrained in that mentality. You just pay off your debt, save, you're okay. <laughs> two years later, he finally did it. He just sent me an email. In fact, I just saw the email because we've been in that thread even this morning. He sent me an email saying, man, I get it now. He's like, I just bought my sixth rental property. He sold off the California property, the rental property. He's now bought yeah. six rental properties in like the Southeast, 8,500 a month of cash flow. Mm -hmm. So he's now, and this is not even the sixth year. I think it's the fifth year. So it would have been next year when he finally would have been debt free, making 2000 a month. And now he's making 8,500 a month and then building that cash. You know, he'd probably be closer to 10 grand by next year, just like I said. Yeah. That's the difference, right? That's where we got to get, you know, all these docs here to really question that status quo and say, wait, I can go with a financial advisor and maybe if I just pay off all my debt and save up like every good boy and little girl should, maybe I'll be free by the time I'm burned out from my profession. Or could I do it much sooner where I'm work optional? I can work in my profession because I love it, not because I need the paycheck. Yeah, I love that. How can uh, people contact you? Because, uh, you know, you've got a lot of uh, views and ideas kind of uh, that are kind of on the cutting edge and kind of, you know, pushing the narrative out there looking at things differently. How can people contact you, follow you, uh, reach out to you, et cetera? Yeah. If you want to take the matrix blue pill, just don't watch anymore. Just, you know, go back to your happy life and listen to your financial advisor that makes more money than you will. Um, <laughs> or you can take the red pill. Um, you can like follow our money ripples podcast. We have on YouTube or iTunes where we consume podcasts. And then we also have a lot of information that's for free on our website, money ripple. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I love this. And uh, you know, Chris was a guest on, the show, you know, last year is really grown and evolved. A lot of people love that show. And so be sure to, you know, this is really a different conversation. And I'd love to have guests, you know, come back at, with different views. And all of his resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check out you know, all of his resources. He's, um, you know, he's omnipresent YouTube as well as the podcast and social media. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. pleasure. Appreciate it, Doc. Thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.